welcome to another episode of Games in Schools and Libraries. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me staggering blindly all over the internet as Walsfio. Today, I'm thrilled once again to be here with my wonderful co-host uh, over here on the library side, Chris Bell. Hello, everybody. And today, we're going to be get back to the tabletop and do some reviews of some, well, tabletop escape experiences as we're going to start and if we have time, we may do some other reviews, but definitely we're doing those. Absolutely. As you may know, we do a lot of escape room stuff, and hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be able to put a link into the latest Stephanie Fry escape room experience, which was part of our Moonrise grant, which should be able for you to download and print off and do things with. All nice. right. A wonderful space-themed escape room. There are two ways that you can do this. If you happen to have a laser cutter... You should be able to take our files and laser cut them out and, and do that. If not, there will also be a print version that you can print from a PDF onto paper and utilize that way. Theoretically. We'll see. Both ways do require a little bit of assembly, but nothing too difficult. Some assembly required. Uh, maybe you'll need either magnets or um, one of those glue sticks that is like post-it note glue so that you can peel and put back. Yeah. But, you know, no spoilers, no spoilers. All right. <laughs> so, enough about that nonsense. Let's get into the escape room fun. Uh, because if we keep talking about escape rooms we've made, we'll have to talk about the one Chris and I are working on now, which would be a big surprise to Chris. <laughs> so. And maybe Donald. Let's get straight to the Cypher House Escapes Murder at the Paisleys. Yes. A very fun escape room. Um,. Oh, you actually already said who made it. Cypher House Escape Rooms. All right. Yep. So Cypher House Escape makes a... Uh, okay. So you get this box and it feels very bespoke. Like mm. they have hand done everything, put all the stuff in the box having to do with, oh, here are the animals that we have hand drawn numbers onto. Here's the stuff that we have cut out by hand and put in the box. Now, I have to say... That that prepared me to think that this game was going to be not so good. I would have been wrong. It was quite entertaining. Uh, a bit long. Longer than we are used to in the library. Yes. So it is really designed to be sort of done as a dinner party where you take a break, you go and you do the things, and you get back. Sort of murder mystery a la escape room. And as such, everybody has a character that they are playing for the event and they say you have to use these characters because they have special powers that you are going to be using over the course of the room. And they also have a website that you can go to or you have to go to to do things to enter in bits or to get information about the game. And they will even send you an email at the beginning of the game like, oh, thank you for coming. Please bring blah or whatever. So you're going to want to check your email when you sign up to start, hey, we're going to start this game. Yes, and you will need some kind of internet access to play it. A lot of the game is played through the computer. Now, the special powers that the different people have are just gateway modders. Like, you're not going to use this until there is a point where you use it. It's not a choice. It's a, oh, now is the time to use it if you remember that you have it so that you can continue to advance on. I thought that was... More aspirational than functional? Uh, yes, and that kind of does set up a system where you do need to have at least four people to play the game because, or uh, f you will need at least five people to play the game because there are 
five powers that you were basically required to use to get through the game. Right. And if he was right when he said four, it's my fault because I waved at him to say five. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it is neat, though, to sort of have a character from which you're approaching stuff. So if you like role-playing, it's sort of a nice hybrid role-playing experience escape room. But it is sort of feel like a how to host a murder party with where things matter, where it's not yeah. all, oh, I didn't know I was the bad guy, but I am reading the script out. And now all of a sudden I realize I am the bad guy. Oh, no. <laughs> um, all that being said, the puzzles themselves, very fun. Um, Most of them. most of them very fun there were a handful of times where there was disagreements on the way the puzzles should run Uh, but for the most part um, the puzzles were pretty entertaining to get through Um, there were yeah there was room for lots of little aha moments yes and a couple of being very angry at the game moments (laughs) but but there is a clue system that you can go through to get to the point where you can answer any of the puzzles. Yes. Uh, this is, uh, especially for people who are not heavy escape room players, I would say this is a game where you should not feel bad about using your hints. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and so I, I would have to give it a, okay, their web interface was pretty incredible. Yes. And it was very important for, for several parts during the game. So, that part I'm giving a green light. Love that. That was neat. They obviously put a lot of effort into that. The, the it feels all sort of homemade aspect of it. A little less excited by that. And some of the puzzles just felt sort of ridiculously hard, but a lot of them were, you know, oh, that's kind of cool. Or, hey, that's pretty neat. We figured this part out. And usually you could tell when you got the answer that, oh, this is the answer to the puzzle. Yes. Which I think is the important thing for our escape rooms is knowing that the answer is the answer. That is absolutely true. You should know you got it when you got it. Um, That's it. That is Murder at the Paisleys for us. By and large, kind of a yellow to green light sort of thing, depending on if you like tough puzzles. These are not all easy puzzles. That's right. So if we're going to go from the most homemade of homemade sort of feeling one, let's go to the fanciest of obviously mass produced, which is the escape room in a box flashback. Yes. And, and you know it's mass-produced because of all the plastic that is inside of this box. There is no metal. It is all plastic. All the locks are plastic. All the boxes are plastic. Half the clues are made out of plastic. Uh, so it, there are some destructible puzzles. And I guess we didn't really mention that about Murder at the Paisleys. There are puzzles in there that you are going to you know sort of cut or, or destroy or whatever. So that might make it a little less... Uh, a little less appropriate for libraries and schools unless you've got like an escape room club that you want to show off. Yes. There are ways around it, but for the most part, it is destructible. Yep. Um, and uh, the same thing with this is there are some things where they're going to want you to fold, spindle, or mutilate the game itself so that you can get on to the next part. Most of it, however, is is easily reusable. Yeah. Well, there is some folding and such like that. For the most part, I think, it actually we had to was, cut some stuff into strips. You had to did we have to cut things fold into strips? things. We so, did have to fold. I remember that. And those are all giving away clues for what's going on in the game. Well, Chris and I um, are not certain. Um, he's pretty certain there's nothing in there you have to destroy. But I think that there might have been something you had to cut or or alter to some degree that we did not do. 
we were able to figure it out without cutting or destroying anything. So for, I guess that's the way to think about it. Yeah. For the most part, I believe it's reusable. Mm, absolutely. So that was a thing. We played that. It was an interesting game. Okay. So here's the best thing about it. Hmm. There are basically three paths like uh, blue uh, or actually cyan, magenta, and yellow, I think. Are the three paths? It's cyan, magenta. I don't remember what the other path was. Something like that, yeah. You can choose to separate the groups into three groups, have them go down the different paths, and then that way you can rerun that same escape room for a group three times. Yes. And now, if you have enough people playing through it, that might be an interesting way to do it. But if you only have three or four people playing, then you're going to want to all work on it and all solve together. That's right. Um, yeah, it really feels like. Three different escape rooms put together um, with a bit of a culmination at the end. However, it is three distinct games um, side by side. So if you were playing it in a real escape room where it's an installation piece, you wouldn't feel that way. But because it's a tabletop experience where we're used to everything sort of having to be small and very interactive with all the pieces and stuff like that, it absolutely does. It lends itself to more people. Yeah. Yep, yep. Which the first one did. The first escape room in a box, the werewolf experiment did as well, which you yep. haven't played. I should probably reset the one we have so that you could play that. Which it had metal locks and stuff, but we had the first edition. Ah. So anyway. Uh, but so that's it. I think that this beautiful plastic mass-produced game from uh, the friend, our friends over at the Wild Optimists, who we've interviewed a couple of times on the uh, Onboard Games podcast and have also been on the Room Escape Divas podcast, but see the links in the show notes, that, uh, that you can hear them talk about their their various experiences in designing escape rooms. So, um, yeah, for me, that was a green light. I thought that it was kind of cool. They had some neat gizmos. They had, uh, you know, sort of a theme that went all the way through it, and, and it pulled through pretty neat. Um, I would say it's a green light with the asterisks that you do need to be a little bit careful with some of the components. Uh, the plastic nature of it lends some of the locks to be um, less than honest with you. Well, yeah, like any things, like we've had some of the, the breakout EDU locks that we have that aren't set when they look like they're set. And they are super cheap mass-produced plastic locks. So, yes, you're going to have to make sure. Right, that but I mean, the person who accidentally opened one of the locks just by fiddling with it didn't even have the right combo just or let's talk the person who had something in their hand and started flailing their hand and popped open something that we weren't supposed to have yet i don't know who that would be Mm. chris i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) so you're not going to force anything you're not going to yeah do all just like in any escape room Mm. and so for me i thought it was neat also if you play through it and you decide for some reason that it is not appropriate for your library or school that you could then go ahead and use those pieces in other escape rooms. Yes. You're not uh, going to be able to reset the locks, but you are going to be able to get some information from some of those. They gave me some idea for some really cheap puzzles that we could make in the future that they, work pretty well together. They had some very clever puzzles. So, yeah. And it was, honestly, it did mimic an escape room feel more than just about any other tabletop experience we've had. That so, is true. So, hooray! Now, there's another series of escape room games, which are all cards. Actually, there's a couple of them that are all cards. And the Deckscape one is one that I've played the first few of, and Chris hadn't ever had a chance to experience yet. 
No, this was my first one. So I explained to Chris, like, oh, Chris, there's going to be four different decks of puzzles, and we're going to be working through those decks of puzzles to get through them, and here's how it's going to happen. And none of that was how it worked. No, apparently this one... um, What's the name of this one, Chris? This was called um, Mysteries of El Dorado. Indeed. Um, Apparently this one played very differently than all the other deckscapes. They used some different mechanics. I don't know because I've never played them. To me, though, it did work very well. Yeah, so they had uh, a lot of little parts where you would make a choice and then that would affect sort of the rest of the game or... Once again, sort of along that role-playing sort of feel where this is, oh, we are in the situation having to make the choice of a plane wreck or whatever it was, and we're going to have to pick which gear we take, or we're going to have to uh, to do a thing on this mountain, and it is going to have an impact on the rest of the game. Yes. Which you'd think would make it playable again, but no. Uh, no, this, this is definitely a one-shot game. Once you've played through it, you know it. Um, you like know, with most escape room games that is true you know the little secrets um the neat thing about this game is no matter what you do keep moving forward with the story so even if you make a handful of mistakes you can still move forward though the more mistakes you make the bigger some of the consequences can be against you right there were penalties like you could get injured yes which that is relatively unprecedented. That is, as far as I can say, with any tabletop escape game, that is unprecedented. Yes, you could carry status effects with you that would cause certain things to get triggered or certain puzzles to go one way instead of the other, regardless of how you tackle it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of an interesting mechanic that the less perfect you played, the more you felt you were stumbling forward than... Uh, Fail forward. Yes, than you were marching forward. And the other thing was, is that paying attention to the lore and sort of the story about what's going on could have a huge effect on what choices you would make in the game. It's like, oh, this group of people do this thing and, and, and do these other stuff. And this is the myth behind that. And then later in the game, you're like, oh, okay, because of this, now I have to make a choice. And this is obviously what's going on. You really had to pay attention. That was the important bit. The one bit I didn't like is when we sort of had to play charades with you. Okay, I still blame all of you for that. Uh, 100% legit. <laughs> and by all of us, he means me and one other guy. <laughs> but we'll take it. <laughs> I was being so obvious. <laughs> but we were guessing... Wrong. The obvious answer, uh. which was wrong. <laughs> but the clue he was giving was also perfect for... The accurate, obvious answer. <laughs> so, uh, it, we, so overall, yeah. very entertained. I was very entertained with this. Um, the story was great. The puzzles were fun. And even when we got a puzzle wrong and we pulled it up, it was still like, oh, it's not. We didn't get it wrong because uh, you know the puzzle was bad. We got it wrong because we're dumb. I think <laughs> there was one last choice where we had to make a sol- selection where. I was really irritated by the correct answer and the penalties that, because the other ones, the other ones that we picked were like, oh, this kind of makes a sort of sense. But I mean, the right answer was obviously the right answer when they said what it was. I was like, okay, I get it. But I I was disgruntled for, you know, like two hot minutes. I mean, perhaps, but yeah, overall, um, 
the puzzles made sense. Yeah. At least once you knew the answer. <laughs> most of them, most of them all really did. And mm-hmm. the ones I think that didn't are the ones I didn't go and investigate to see, well, why did we do this? Or why mm-hmm. was this the right answer? So yeah, that was um, the mysteries of Eldorado, a deckscape game by golly, the it's a itty bitty box. And those games have a boatload of puzzles for such a small box. Oh yes. So love that. Love that quite a bit. And so all right. I hold the unlocks if you have access to a mobile device or people have a phone, which we're going to be talking about those here in a second, to be the best library escape room games because the order of the cards don't matter, et cetera, et cetera. The um, deckscape ones have to be sorted back out in order for you to play through it again because you're playing through it from the top of the deck down to the bottom of the deck. Um that is probably its biggest fault, is that if the order is wrong, uh, if the people playing before you did not put it back together the right way, it can mess you up and kind of ruin the story. Now, it is pretty easy to check, with, and if you're really careful, you won't necessarily be spoiled on it, because you can. the cards are numbered, right? Yeah. This isn't a problem. But it will sort of give you the idea, oh, wait, there's these three branches here, and that two branches over there, and why are these slightly different? But by and large, you're not going to spoil anything concrete. Just you'll have sort of that, oh, I have a vague idea that we're going to have a choice here in about two cards. Yeah. So, uh, and honestly, if you can trust the person who's putting it back away, which would be you if you're listening to this show, (laughs) then uh, by and large, I think you're going to find the uh, Mysteries of El Dorado from Deckscape to be a pretty amazing escape experience. Uh, You know, like all of these... You do need a relatively uh, quiet or ability to focus sort of game. That's true. Okay. So I said we were getting to the unlock box, and now we're going to get to the new box of unlock games. Yay. Yeah, and it is from Space Cowboys. So the unlock games, my favorite. They started off with, oh, some good ones and some bad ones, doing traditional escape roomy stuff. And as you have gone through the series, they have stretched farther and farther afield and done more and more interesting things. Now this, instead of having three of the little individual boxes for the unlock games, comes with one box that has three decks in it, which I would like a lot better if that is how they had started the series. (laughs) Yes, it is kind of off-putting that before you would buy, you know, one game or two at a time or something, you'd buy an individual box. And now suddenly, I believe the only way to get this one in is a three-set box. Um, you can't just buy them individually. This is the Unlock Heroic Adventures trilogy, because yeah. what they do is they put out three at a time, give it a nice little series, a little series name. And so this is the season or series of Heroic Adventures. Yes. Not all of these feel like heroic adventures, but it's a good name to remember when you're trying to remember what the current generation is. <laughs> the three that come inside of the uh, heroic adventures box are Insert Coin, Sherlock Holmes, The Scarlet Thread of Murder, and In Pursuit of the White Rabbit, which would be obviously an Alice in Wonderland escape. Yes. Which is pretty neat because the previous one, they did a Wild West one. They did, what, a, a dinosaur one, and they did a Wizard of Oz. That's room. true. So they're hitting all of the favorite public domains. 
I shouldn't say it like that. I think it's a great way to introduce kids today who are playing the escape rooms and excited about this <laughs> to classic, classic tales, um, you know, without so much of the other disturbing connotations around them. Yes. So, but we'll never see a Mickey Mouse one. Not anytime soon. Unless Disney does it themselves. Right? <laughs> so, uh, we did, which one did we, did we do them in this order? Uh, let's see. The order we did. We I think we did. Started, yes, we did. We started with Insert Coin. We moved on to Sherlock. And then we finished up with Alice in Wonderland, whose name I can't actually remember for that game. Um, in Pursuit of the White Rabbit. That's the one. So, Insert Coin. Beat all the levels in this virtual adventure. Escape or it's game over. It is like you are playing a 1980s or 90s co-op, or not co-op, coin-operated video game. Yes. And wow... You have to use video game logic, first of all. Oh, yeah. To play. And there were times where I thought, this this is dumb. And then I was like, oh, that is so clever. <laughs> I, get, I got to thinking about, oh, this is how, they, this is what they're doing. I ended up really liking it. How about you, Chris? Same here. I really, I thought it was really fun. Um, and most of the parts that stumped us, it's like, why doesn't this make sense? Oh, that's why. Because I didn't think about that. And it's... It has some of the most aha moments of any of the unlocks I've played. And you absolutely have to have a mobile device for this. And you better make sure it's full of battery. And it you needs a it. camera. It is augmented reality part that is really, really neat. I was so excited when I played through this. <laughs> wow, this is so cool. I'm like, I want to look at this card using the... Like, it doesn't have the thing. I'm going to look at it anyway. <laughs> uh and like, would you put the card down? We can't sit. Now I want to look at it in the thing. So it was a lot of fun just to play with it. Not even just the puzzles. It really was. Uh, so the first puzzle I think was the hardest puzzle because we weren't the first real puzzle was uh, hardest because we weren't thinking of it in video game. Think. Absolutely. The first section will take you the longest because it's training you to think, Hey, this is how you should look at these puzzles. And so if you've got uh, kids who like classic video games, who like any video games and are kind of maybe interested in escape rooms, this would be the one to start with. Uh, and it's a cool use of technology, especially if you're doing any of the VR, AR stuff in your libraries. Uh, I just recommend you can do it with a phone. You don't have to have a tablet. Tablets work great, too. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of fun and play with it. And there's so much I want to tell you about it, but it's so spoilery. It, it really is. Um I will tell you this. There's going to be a point where you think, wait a minute, we missed something. We missed a whole section of this thing. What the heck? You didn't miss it. You'll come back for it. I'm just <laughs> going to say, so you don't panic. Don't, don't panic. You didn't miss it. There may have been panicking. There may have been. Like, wait a minute. Let's go back through all the cards that we've looked at. <laughs> Did you throw away something we don't need? No. <laughs> Donald, are you holding on any to look at them? No. So, yeah, it was it was exciting. So, that is insert coin, and, and by golly, I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, hooray! Absolutely. Um, next up was uh, Sherlock Holmes. The uh, Scarlet Thread of Murder. Yes. Now, I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. I got the complete collection when I was in high school. I've watched m probably all the movies and most of the TV shows, except for the ones set in America. Um, modern. Didn't watch too much of that. But... Yeah, um, I was all in for this. How about you? 
Um, a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's the exact opposite of insert coin. It is a very old time analog, honestly. Yeah, it did feel sort of like you were going through the paces, trying to figure out who the mystery was. And at the end of the game, they sort of let you prove that your knowledge. Yes. So, you know, pay attention to what you're doing during the game, the stuff that you're finding out, it all sort of matters. There's less, there are some of the traditional puzzles like, oh, follow this bit here or combine these things or do do a stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, I keep thinking about stuff we didn't tell them about the insert coin. I'm like, but they need to explore that one themselves. Yes. That, um, that's my gold star. So I don't know what the difficulty ratings are on them. And don't tell me until I say this. I think that insert coin, probably one of the easier ones. Uh, Sherlock Holmes felt like it was a little bit more difficult. Not saying on the back. Um, it may say it on the app. I don't quite remember which one is which. Sherlock Holmes puzzles felt a lot more involved. Um, it wasn't so much of a aha as it was a, oh, this is how we do this. Let's start that process. Yeah. A lot of cool little processes. A lot of, uh, oh, we should have been looking for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've ever done like Tales of the uh, uh, Tales of the Mythos or other, you're wandering around London trying to uh, trying to solve mysteries for sure against Sherlock. Holmes. I think it's Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective or games like that. Mm-hmm. Then you'll find you'll find a little bit of comfortable space here, and the way they merged it, and it did feel okay. So I have to tell them one of the coolest things with this one was once again using the app, which was the London phone book. Hmm. And so if you think that there's a place that you want to go, you type in where it is you think you want to go and it will tell you, oh, here's your entry on that. (laughs) And it might give you a card number or do a thing. So, and if it's not in the thing, it might cost you time. I don't remember. But um, yeah, it was really sort of a great way to include a lot of extra information that they couldn't include with cards. And, and that was, that was so neat. That was a lot of fun. So it was tough. I think it felt it felt the toughest because some of the I I wasn't as excited about some of the puzzles, but I was really excited about some of the process. Um, I will say uh, the second half of the entire uh, session there, a lot of fun. The very first part, um, there was one puzzle in particular that annoyed me to death because uh, if you have glasses. Oh, your slow ruined. start. It was a slow start and a painful mm. start. Yeah. Um, we have some uh, vision impaired people here, and uh, that played against us hard. Yeah, we, had, we were playing it with two two people with glasses uh, that were at least a year off in prescription, yeah. and and a thirteen year old who couldn't focus because you know thirteen year old, mm. right? <laughs> so that, that would be my biggest gripe. We did eventually get through it. We figured it out, um, but. Uh, kind of annoying. Yeah. So don't be afraid to ask for your clues early on, I guess. Yeah. You know, and you probably won't need them as much later. It'll save you a bit of time. But by and large, I think still for me, every, it seems like every escape room, because they try and throw in so many different kinds of puzzles to keep variety so mm-hmm. that everybody can sort of find stuff they want, that it, you're going to find probably one in any diverse escape room that you're going to go, this puzzle really bothered me because it was obviously not created with the way you think. Mm-hmm. Um, or to your vision or to your whatever. And 
it's why you don't do escape rooms by yourself. That's absolutely true. So that was that was neat. So yeah, for me, just because I'm such a Sherlock Holmes wonk, green light. Same here, green light. And hard green light on uh, the first one, insert coin. Yeah. And so the last one in this box was In Pursuit of the White Rabbit. Now, I got to say, we played all three of these in one day. We did. And obviously, by the time we got to the third one, we knew how to do them together and how to work. Because we beat the time that they told us by, like, nearly half. Yeah. <laughs> we we crushed it. Um, to be fair, so the first two um, unlocks are one hour unlocks i believe on the timers something like that yeah. um the third one here the uh white rabbit is a 90 minute unlock yeah so we beat it like 46 minutes yeah we we crushed it now and i don't think i don't i really don't think that that's necessarily because we are great at them i think it is because we were thinking the way that they do rooms we were really ready at that point oh, yeah. to sort of explore new ideas or new doing things and that was despite hmm Spoilers. There's a dexterity challenge that took up at least five minutes, maybe ten minutes in this game. That he, oh, and we fought about how to do that. <laughs> and the problem was, is I think you had the dexterity to build to do the dexterity thing, mm-hmm. and I kind of knew how it was supposed to go, and we weren't communicating very well by that point. No. <laughs> <laughs> so again three and one go may have been tough but yeah but we were ready we were definitely thinking puzzly and so once again they tried to do some unusual stuff um they used both sides of the cards in this one they did which i think they may have done on the sherlock holmes one as well i'm not sure um i don't remember however they absolutely did in a past unlock Yes, there have been other ones where they um, use... The Oz use the back of the cards heavily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's neat because you don't think that it's important until you realize that how it is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's kind of cool. I, so, I'm not as big a fan of Alice in Wonderland as I am of Sherlock Holmes, but I still really kind of like this. I mean, I thought that uh, the whole set, all three of them were very strong. They were. Um, and I believe now I am remembering correctly the difficulties. Um, as we said before, um, insert coin, a lot of aha snap solutions. Sherlock Holmes, a lot of aha snap um, processes. Um, and the White Rabbit one was a lot of what the heck is going on? Slow burn puzzles. Um, you a lot of searching. Slowly made your progress to the answer regardless of whether you knew you were doing it or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that that is absolutely true. You didn't feel your progress because honestly, Alice in Wonderland is an opium-fueled extravaganza <laughs> and so unlike trying to solve a case in Sherlock Holmes or trying to beat the video game in Insert Coin, you're in this one you are experiencing uh the chaos you're almost being dragged through these puzzles, honestly. Right, yeah. Um, it did feel more traditionally escape room because of that, I think. It did. Um, and it worked really well with the theme and the story. It, it, I'm not saying it in a bad yeah, way. These aren't necessarily bad. This is just yeah, it the just, nature of the beast. It, uh, it, the puzzles got slower um, as you go through these three decks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, all I can remember is just that one puzzle I hated so much. <laughs> in this one. Uh, but there were there were some really neat things, uh, and I once again it has made me very excited for six months from now mm-hmm. when they come out with their next trilogy or whenever they do their next trilogy. Oh yes, every single one of these introduced a new mechanic they have not really used in a way they have not used um, ever before, and it was something that was really interesting and neat in the way you do escape rooms and it gives you ideas for some great puzzles. Now let's talk unlock in general. Once again, you've got your little set of introductory cards that teach you how to do it. Yes. You have your app, which will give you clues, which will also have machines or mechanisms or neat things that you can do, Hmm. which was really capitalized on in once again, insert coin in a way that was several ways that was exciting. Yes. Uh, And, so, you know, you need the app to play the games, but there are just so many ways they've gotten sort of away from all of the slam a red blood card and a blue card together and hope that hope that you've got the right answer because you, these two will kind of go together. Oh, yeah. Uh, they Their puzzles have become so much more involved, so much more unique. Um, more, so, aha, I, I can justify why I'm doing this. So much more clever, honestly. Yeah, so... Uh, and I'm sure, of course, I'll go online to Board Game Geek and find out that everybody hated all of these. <laughs> and they're wrong. I'm going to say that now. <laughs> a lot of fun. Well, yeah. So that's it. I think that we've been talking now for over 30 minutes about escape room tabletop experiences. There are other stuff that we've done, other games we've done. We did an Escape the Room, the game puzzle, but we've got two or three more of those to do. So we'll talk about those in a future episode. And there's just so much more in the world of escape rooms. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. And there are some really horrible ones. Okay, so there's one that I have not played, but that I heard is awful. So I'm going to tell you all now that if you've played the MacGyver one and it did not completely suck and have typos that kept you from finishing it, please let me know because I have heard otherwise. Yes. Um, so that's fair about enough. <laughs> that's about it. Anyway, so I think it's time to wrap this thing up. I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Chris Bell. And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. Thank you for hanging out with us and checking out our escape room games. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. You can find out more about us and the people who create this show over at InverseGenius.com and all of our other wonderful, wonderful shows, including on board games, on RPGs, the Inverse Genius podcast, and the Room Escape Divas. We are also now joined by the Party Gamecast and Nephilip, who you might remember as Stephanie, previous co-host here on the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast, and our friend Lynn Theory. Thank you for listening. Games in Schools and Libraries is produced in association with the Georgetown County Library System.